Welcome to the Evolve Pod, brought to you by Evolve Wellbeing Group. Hello everybody and welcome to the Evolve Pod. Um, for those of you that have been listening to the series so far, and for those of you that know me personally or follow me online, you'll have known that last year I ran the Snowden Six Ways Challenge, which was a unique challenge that I set up. I promise not to bang on about it for too many more months. I am very proud of it. But one of the things I'm genuinely proud of and still gobsmacked by is the amount of money that me and my team managed to raise by doing the Snowden Six Ways Challenge. Um, we raised nearly 22 or just over 22,000 pounds, which every time I say that, I still kind of get goosebumps because it's just an unbelievable amount of money. And the charity that we were raising money for is, is Oxfordshire Mind. And I'm really pr- pleased and very privileged to have the CEO, Dan Knowles of Oxfordshire Mind, on the line tonight to talk to us about Oxfordshire Minds and mental health and, and all things well-being. So, Dan, thank you very much for joining me. I, I know you appreciate you're very busy, but I, I genuinely appreciate you giving up your precious time to, to be with me on the podcast tonight. So how are you? How, how, how are you finding everything in the new year? Yeah, thanks, Ali. Um, it's it's a pleasure and a privilege to be with you and, uh, you know, delighted to have this opportunity. Um, and hello to everyone listening. Uh, yeah, it's been a rubbish start to the year, hasn't it? I mean, oh, God, we were all wishing 2020 a fond farewell, like that's been the worst year ever. And then, like, we we're, I don't know how many, how many days we were, and then we're into lockdown number three and schools closing and all that sort of stuff. So, um Keeping morale high is one of the challenges at the moment, isn't it, for, for us all, whether it's personally in our work life with, with people we work with, with our loved ones. Yeah, so I, I think, I mean, 2021 is going to be better than 2020, definitely, definitely. Yeah. But it hasn't been the start to the year that we all hoped for. <laughs> no, definitely not. And I think there's, a, there's an air of kind of frustration among everybody at, at the whole scenario. Um, and I think it's a it's a matter of it's going to get a little bit worse or, it's you know, it's getting a bit worse and before it's going to get better. Yeah. And as you say, I think I do think this year we're going to come out the come out the back of it stronger, better and with a bit more clarity on what the future is going to look like. Um, it's been very uncertain recently. And that's that's one of the things, I guess, that, you know, with Oxford in mind is one of the things that people really struggle with uh, is the uncertainty of a scenario like this because it's unprecedented. Yeah, um, no, that's, that's absolutely right. No, knowing what's ahead of you is, a, is, is you know, at least you can plan, even if it's desperate and horrible and all the rest of it, it, it is the uncertainty. I think, the, you know, the good thing at the moment is most of us now know someone who's had the vaccine or who's booked in to have the vaccine. Yeah. Um, and that does feel like that that is the light at the end of the tunnel. So, what, I mean, what have we had? Three, four million people now who've been vaccinated. I think so, yeah. You know, my, my dad's had it. Um, we're because we work in the health and social care system, Oxfordshire Mind staff are probably going to start being vaccinated in the next fortnight. Um, you know, people who are on the front line, not, not people like me, but people who are working directly with um, with vulnerable people. So that's really exciting. And, you know, that, that gives us a, a, a concept forward. But I mean, it's even silly little things. But one of the I always think one of the, the things to make you happy is, is having stuff to look forward to. Um, Definitely. You know, whether it's a, a party or a holiday or a reunion or something like that. And none of us can make any plans at the moment, have they? Like, you know, 
what have I got next weekend? The same as last weekend. Nothing. <laughs> same, same, same as yesterday, same as tomorrow. Yeah. yeah. Can't go to the swimming pool. Can't can't have people around for dinner. Can't can't make arrangements. You know, where do we go on holiday this year? I don't know. <laughs> Pop so, yeah. out to the garden. Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, the, the uncertainty is 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 really difficult, and also yeah, not not having an endpoint as well is is also very difficult. And I think for I'd like to start my sort of um, kind of question to you, I suppose, is, is how, how do you value your own personal well-being and what, what kind of things do you do to keep yourself, you know, feeling well and feeling mentally positive and physically positive? Yeah, well, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm lucky I don't have mental health issues, mental health challenges. And, you know, lots of the people that I work with are, you know, really being dealt with. Uh, a tough hand you know by life and and I'm continually uplifted and, and inspired by some of the stories of people who use our services who are brave resilient tough people who have additional challenges over and above you know what, what more fortunate people like myself experience on a daily basis so you know I'm 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 relatively lucky I'm, I'm kind of a naturally glass half full positive kind of a guy and I enjoy life and uh, I get on with it and and um you know, I'm I'm sort of blessed with children and all all of those sorts of things. So I've got absolutely nothing to complain about. But of course, everybody has physical health. Everybody has mental health. I have days where I'm feeling, you know, I wake up and I think, oh God, you know, I'm rubbish at everything and um, I can't do anything or I'm feeling really miserable and low in energy. And I have other days where I wake up and I feel like I can, um, you know, I can do anything and uh, and conquer the world. And that, and that, you know, we all have those peaks and troughs um for me physical activity plays a huge part um and i do think in lockdown so today is is a bad example of what i'm about to say but going for a half hour walk every day makes a huge difference so just being outside in in the open air um and uh i i run a bit i don't run like you do um i was supposed to be doing the uh, the Oxford half marathon in October last year, but it was cancelled. But I did yeah. do the half marathon the year before. Uh, anyone listening may remember it was torrential rain, um, but I thoroughly enjoyed it. It was really, really good experience. And I'll, I'll hopefully do that with the Oxfordshire Mine team again um, later this year. Um, so, I, you know, I run. I really enjoy that. Um, and I, uh, I used to row quite competitively and I enjoy being out on the river. Um, that's really good. And I do think that that, connection to nature and being outside is incredibly important um there's a phrase from someone or other said there's no problem in the world that isn't made more easily solvable by a five mile walk you know and and that's true if you're feeling really miserable go for a, a good long walk and you will feel better um and locally the place i go to that always i find uplifting is whitman clubs um oh, i love whitlam clumps it's it, it's impossible not to go to whitlam clumps and stand on the top of one of those hills and not feel better about life in in general so th those are some of the things i think i would i would say th those are those are how i i sort of keep myself going if i'm starting to feel a bit down in the dumps brilliant and i find personally i find getting outside um allows you to problem solve a little bit and i think it creates the space that you need to let your mind kind of almost kind of solve the things that you've been trying to solve that you might not have found the answer to yet that can kind of yeah. build up and cause that anxiety or cause that stress, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a, there's a real key thing you mentioned there is that 30 minutes outside every day, and particularly 
given the, the everything that's happened in the last you know 12 months or whatever it is the importance of just getting outside and doing something physical and getting away from the house or the home or the desk or the laptop is yeah. so 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 important for, for anybody's well-being no matter who you are yeah um, and, it, and I think we've seen haven't we? I mean in the streets around me I've seen more people doing local exercise you know people can't go to the gyms they can't take part in organized sport and I've seen families going out for walks together at lunchtime I mean that's a good thing you know that's that is a good thing my um my son who's 10 he got a Fitbit at Christmas time and uh, he's fixated now on getting his steps which is brilliant because I couldn't nice. get you know like say Charlie let's go for a walk it's like you know Charlie let's let's rip your legs off it's like no way I'm not going out for a walk <laughs> but now we do we go for a walk around the village and it's really really enjoyable you know oh, that's, yeah, that's, that's really uh, cool yeah yeah, yeah. And like I say that sort of problem solving the mind goes into a different pattern you know the subconscious gets going sometimes and you kick into a different pattern of thoughts and you come up with answers or creative ideas that you wouldn't have done if you were just sitting at your desk going for a walk is a brilliant thing and do you find it's made a difference with your son Charlie getting up and getting active and being outside I don't know I think he's always been quite active but he's um uh he, he tends to do more sort of fast and furious activities so bouncing on the trampoline cycling uh running um you know the, but like sort of just like not track running or anything just running around um I mean, it's annoying having a 10-year-old son because he's got a six-pack just because he got a six-pack. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> um, so I'm not sure if I have noticed a difference, but I think... Um, but it's certainly a nice time for us, you know, because he'll want me to bounce on the trampoline. I'm, I'm I'm, not interested in bouncing on trampolines anymore. I'm too old for that nonsense. But going for a walk and having a nice chat and appreciating the outdoors and seeing things, taking notice of, of the natural world around you is a pleasurable thing to do. 100% agree with you there the, the the you know I think we're both quite lucky in where we live I and mean, I live in a village called Steventon got access to the Ridgeway countryside and getting outside and, and connecting with nature is a really good way of sort of almost grounding yourself and resetting everything um, yeah. and so I mean I try and get out at least you know three or four times a week for a run and on the days I don't run I tend to take the kids for a walk or something which is which is just it resets everything and, and allows you to process things and just generally find answers and feel a bit better about everything if there's things holding you back yeah so in terms of your sort of career path Dan yeah um what sort of inspired you to to take the reins at Oxfordshire Mind? what was it that attracted you to Oxfordshire Mind? because I personally think I've got you know it, it, it's a charity very close to my heart um for various different reasons um it's a great local charity mind itself as an organization is fantastic do some really good work nationally but what was it that inspired you to to think that's that's what i want to do that's the that's the kind of career step i'm going to take yeah so i mean i've been ceo now just over four years and i do feel very very lucky to be in this in this role um i enjoy what i do i really like the people i work with um in, in, inside Oxfordshire Mind, but also lots of the partner agencies and, you know, amazing people like you, Ali, that go and run up Snowden, you crazy, you know, <laughs> six times. I've climbed up Snowden, you know, loads of times, but only once at a, once at a, once at a time. Uh, and, the, you know, the money you raise is incredible, absolutely amazing, and, and will make a real difference. So I'm really, I feel really privileged to work for this charity. Um, and, you know, you said it's, it's, close to your heart. I mean, Oxfordshire Mind helps over 30,000 people in Oxfordshire every year. 
wow. so out of a population of, of 700. Now, you know, 700,000, you know, we, we help over 30,000 a year and, and that's growing every year. We're, we're helping more people. Um, and, you know, if we had double the staff, we'd help double the people because, the you know, the need is there. Uh, I think we'll, we'll probably come on and talk about that a little bit later on in, the, in this session. Um, and and so it's it's one of those areas that I just think is incredibly important. Um, so I was running a, a small social enterprise uh, in Oxford, a home care organisation that I set up um, and uh, built stuff over a number of years. And it got to a decent scale and all the rest of it. Um, and it was time for me to do something else. At the same time, my son had a diagnosis of being autistic um, and got excluded from his first school. Um, and he's actually in his he's in year six now and he's in his fifth school. Um, we're very lucky. He's now in a school run by the National Autistic Society in Reading and they're doing a really good job. So I'm really pleased. But it's been, a, you know, it's been a rocky road. And I don't think that, you know, I think there's plenty of, of rock still in the road for him. Charlie's one of those people. As I was saying, he's been dealt a, a, a tougher hand of cards than than most people have, and it's going to be harder for him in in life. And so I um, handed that social enterprise over to the management team that we had at that point. Took a bit of time out to investigate his challenges and work out what to do, and you know things like education, healthcare plans. It's a whole new language that you have to start speaking when you have a child with special needs. Um, and uh, we did all of that. And I got approached by the, you know, the people looking for, for the new CEO for Oxfordshire Mines. And I thought, well, that would be great. It would be a fantastic, you know, fantastic way to um, understand this world that I'm living in. There's a there's a, a not not an exact overlap between autism and mental health issues. But most autistic people are, you know, are more prone to mental health issues than uh, the, the neurotypical people. Um, so, yeah, it seemed like a great great opportunity and I mean there is a nice story to it so I, I said yeah no, it'd be brilliant and I put my CV together of course I'd never worked for a charity um, or I'd never I'd never I'd, I've done a bit of voluntary work but I'd never um, you know I'd never been a, a charity CEO uh, and I'd never worked in mental health but I thought oh, I'll give it a go you know and uh, I was lucky enough to get shortlisted and went to the interview and uh, and they offered the job to somebody else um, and she didn't turn up you know so this sort of oh, wow, okay. life yeah something happened and uh, you know I, I don't know the story um and so the chairman gave me a ring and said oh dan you know are you still interested and i said yeah i am that's great you know i'd be delighted so um you know we had a good chuckle over that and nice. uh, yeah and it, i mean it was a real sort of um drinking from the fire hose sort of moment of time for me the first sort of six 12 18 months i was on a very very steep learning curve i feel as i'm i'm just about getting my head around some of the key issues at the moment and uh, um but yeah no really really enjoying it and um I, I was talking about you know the charlie experience one of the things that we're really really aware of is the changing nature of the mental health of younger people in this country um and you know the deterioration in that especially in in girls um, and sort of rising rates of self-harm and those sorts of things. And, and so in Oxfordshire Mind, one of the things I'm really pleased with is we used to be an adults only service and now we're an all age service and we do work with primary schools and secondary schools and children of all ages. Um, and we're going to do more, of, more and more of that every year. And I'm really proud of that, that improvement to, to our range of services. 
Yeah, absolutely. It kind of leads me to think of, a, of something I want, would like to put to you about, you know, you mentioned about 300,000 people a year uh, using the, the services that, that you uh, have. 30,000. Sorry, sorry. 30,000. 30, yeah, 30, we, we'll, get, we'll get to 300, Alex. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> Aim high. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, you know, 30,000 people that use the services of Oxfordshire Mind. And I, I imagine the curve is growing and, and there's more and more that's people that, that, are, that are using the services. Yeah, that's do, right. you, do you think that is because there's more people suffering or because it's socially starting to become a little bit more accepted and slightly easier for people to kind of open up a little bit and actually look for the help that they need? I don't know whether there's a kind of a, a, a black and white answer to that question, but. Yeah, I, I think, I mean, it's a, it's if, if you if you were to ask 100 psychiatrists the question you just asked, you would get 100 different answers. And there isn't one, you know, there isn't one easy answer to, to what you've just said. Um, I think there is no doubt that the stigma associated with mental health is breaking down. I don't think it's broken down, but there are many, many, you know, famous, successful, brilliant celebrities, sports people and others who are, are very open in acknowledging their mental health issues. And um, especially in the younger generation, it's, it's much more perceived as, as a normal thing. You know, I'm struggling at the moment. Okay, that's fine. What do we need to do? Great, you've got back on track. That's brilliant. You know, um, nothing to be ashamed of. So the stigma is breaking down. So I do think more people are coming forward. I, I think that also um, modern life does have some additional challenges. And that's one of the things that's hard to, to sort of understand from a societal point of view, because we're healthier than we've ever been. We live longer than we've ever been. The health service better than it's ever been. Food is better than it's ever been. You know, um, you know all of those sorts of things um, on any sort of clear uh, uh, understanding of, um, of quality of life, you know, we're, we're better. Um, than people were 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 50 or 100 years ago. Um, but that happiness doesn't seem to have come along with that in, in all ways. And that's why well-being is such a, an important part of uh, understanding modern life. I think one of the, one of the areas we do look at is, is self-harm in young women, which I've already mentioned. And some people are very happy to use that pejorative term of the snowflake generation and, and be quite sort of critical. I think for youngsters nowadays, it's it's a t much tougher environment than when I was growing up. You know, I'm 50 now. So, you know, 35 years ago when I was a teenager, we didn't have pressures on like future careers. And, you know, it, 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 the, the pressures to get good exams. We wanted to do well, um, but it, it, it didn't feel as as absolute and existential as it does for for youngsters nowadays um and in particular we didn't have social media and and the barrage of technology and and it's such a you know it's such a challenging area because you can't turn it off nobody's going to get rid of social media um but any of us who've ever gone you know for a week without accessing our smartphone feel hugely better at the end of it and youngsters now live on their smartphones don't they they're you know thousands of notifications each day, uh, waking up in the middle of the night, um, online bullying, all of those sorts of things. It has a huge, huge impact on youngsters' mental health. And 
you know, you were talking earlier on about this this year being a year where, you know, we will start to sort things out and be able to see things further forward. I, I, I would love to feel that societally in in the developed world, in, in the world, full stop, you know, we would find a way whereby technology becomes less less damaging than it than it is to a lot of people. Not to everyone. It's not to say that social media is all bad. Um, but the, the rise in self-harming young girls in particular is is something that is very closely associated with the rise in the use of smartphones and um, and technology, which is challenging to us all, I think. Definitely. Well, I've, I've got three kids now and <clears throat> they're both, they're all, they're all quite young. So Brody, the oldest is four, you know, and my concerns since becoming a parent is the pressures on the kids growing up. And one of those major concerns is the technology and social media yeah. and you know where what, what control do, do i have over their social media presence over their social media usage etc as yeah. they start to get to an age where they, they're going to want to use it because all their friends and classmates are going to be using it and if they don't use it enough they'll you know they'll feel potentially like the the outcast and that for me is one of those things that you know that it it does concern me definitely and i listening to you speak about that there it, it kind of brings it a bit closer to home about how damaging the technology can be and you know i see it from both sides myself I'm, I'm, i use social media um in fact my last podcast guest we actually met through social media on instagram via via what he does and what i do so you know it has its positives definitely it, it can inspire it can help but also it has has its pressures and it has its sort of dark side which is something that definitely needs definitely needs managing but it's really it's really exciting to hear that you know you've taken the step to, to work with the younger generation not just adults because you know they need help just as much as everybody else oh i, I mean absolutely i think that you know the younger generation is i mean, I mean there's lots of areas so you know i i said the 30 odd thousand people i mean there's uh, what what you know some of the challenges at the moment so in in coronavirus time there are isolated elderly people you know um and a lot of older people who are in that vulnerable category or you know they they've they've heard the news and they know that they're more likely to die if they get it they've just locked themselves away and all the normal activities have stopped um and especially people who are living on their own um you know it's a really really big big issue for us so you know that's one one challenging area um we help about 15,000 typically professionals, working people um, with anxiety and depression each year um, through our work with the, um, uh, the IAPT service in, uh, in the NHS. Um, and then, you know, children, young people. So, you know, it, it, it's an all age thing. It's all social demographic groups. It's, it's, um, it's both sexes. You know, it, it's, a really, uh, it, it's a really, you know, big deal. And yeah, I mean, the, the younger generation, just as much as, as their parents and their grandparents need help. Definitely. And have you, uh, I guess it's quite an obvious question, have you, have you noticed a difference in the demand on your services, you know, down to COVID? Yeah, so the, the pattern has been really, really interesting. So um, we have a, a, a helpline, an information line. So um, anyone listening to this who may feel that they want help or, or anyone they know wants help, re reach out to the Oxford Mind 
uh, information service. You can do an email, um, you know, web inquiry on the website, or you can call them on uh, Oxford two four double seven double eight, and you get a, a staff or a volunteer. We've got an amazing group of staff and volunteers who answer those calls, um, and we get about nineteen thousand inquiries into that service every year. So it's it's the single biggest thing that we do, and they can be anything from you know. I've heard about this mental health stuff and somebody I know isn't very well up to my child is suicidal and has got some rope and is walking to the end of the garden. And what do I do? You know, and everything in between. So, you know, the people who answer the calls are, are, are truly amazing, amazing people. Um, when, when the first lockdown happened, um, the calls coming into that were about half of what they normally are. Um, so sort of March, April, May time, we were very, very quiet. Um, and then that started to pick up a little bit in, in the summer. And then September, we were back to normal kind of levels. And then since then, we've had record months, month on month on month. Um, so more people getting in touch, more people contacting us than we've ever had before. And the I think what's interesting is the number of phone calls is similar, but we've seen a, a greater shift towards digital and people accessing digital services. And it's it's one of the things that's quite you know, if there's a silver lining to the coronavirus cloud, this this ability for us to sort of use digital and kickstart or you know turbocharge some of those changes is actually quite exciting. I was talking to a, a GP earlier on. And he said, "Blimey, it's been brilliant." He said, "This is great." He said, "We've forced more change in GP services in the last fortnight than we've done in the last decade. Yes, yeah, <laughs> it yeah. would never have happened." And you know, any anyone who's had to sit in a GP's waiting room for half an hour for a you know, an appointment where all you need to do is get a repeat prescription or some pills or, you know, something that you knew was was obvious. Being able to do that over the phone or, you know, on a Zoom call is is great, isn't it? It's a huge step forward. So I'm quite excited about the, the growth in digital. But to answer your question, you know, things dropped off in that first lockdown. Everybody squirreled themselves away. Um, since then, it's been steadily growing. And now, you know, we're, we're all we're all very aware of the fact that there's a big mental health wave coming our way yeah yeah absolutely and i guess on that note you've mentioned the volunteers and the um and the and the staff that, that, that kind of work and volunteer for oxygen mine um how, how do we how do you sort of prioritize their well-being because like you said earlier they're they are on the front line um not all of them but some of them are on the front line how you know do they make use of the oxfordshire mine services themselves do or do you have something separate for them because obviously you know, they, they must have to have some really kind of challenging conversations and some really challenging experiences and be interesting to hear because, you know, I work in workplace well-being myself and um, I can see the 100% of value of, of workplace well-being, but I've no, I haven't worked with, you know, the, the types of people and the volunteers that, that you would em, employ and use. So what, yeah. what kind of steps do you take to kind of safeguard those guys and, 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 and keep them sort of yeah, I mean healthy? I mean, workplace well-being is a really big subject, isn't it? I mean, we could speak on Massive. that, uh, you know, for for a long time. And there's there's lots and lots of factors to that. Um, and some of them are, you know, what we would call hard factors, like things like um, robust HR policies, frameworks in place, ensuring that people have, uh, you know, appropriate supervision contacts and one-to-ones with their line manager and and, and those sorts of things. And then there are, there are and again, we could talk a, a lot about that. So um, 
I mean, for instance, all of our staff have uh, access to our employee assistance program, which is a, um, you know, you can call a number and, and get help from something completely independent from Oxfordshire Mind, which is great. And that does include counselling sessions if people need uh, counselling sessions. So that, you know, that's that's one of the things. And lots of organisations have that in place and it's really, really important to do so. And then I think, you know, I, I also, I talk a lot about in my, with my senior management team who are a wonderful amazing group of people we talk a lot about culture as well um and so those are the softer things you know does my boss care about me there's a lot of research that shows that employee engagement is driven by a relatively small number of factors but one of the most important ones is does my line manager care about me as a person you know do they take the time to understand who i am and to know that my family might be suffering or you know having a tough time at the moment or whatever it might be just just to know me as a person and and, and to demonstrate that care and I think you know that that makes a, a huge difference in in the workplace and we've all had I mean well I say we I, I have had and most people have had bosses who haven't been supportive and haven't been nice and haven't been interested and you know just sort of push 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 and it's like, oh, it's just miserable, isn't it? Who wants to go to a workplace where where you've got somebody like that? Whereas somebody who says, you know, you, you've got jobs to do and I'm, I'm here to make sure that you do that job, but I want you to be happy in the workplace and enjoying yourself and progressing your career and all of the rest of it make, makes a massive difference. I think we're lucky in Oxfordshire Mind that um, what we do is so clearly important and valued. Um, you know, there isn't that, that sort of, you know, that challenge, I think, uh, you know, there are some jobs where some people think, you know, crikey, is it really important this this widget that I'm making or selling or, you know, trying to, you know, justify or market or whatever it might be. Uh, whereas our, our our mission is very, very clear. I think at the moment, it's well-being is much harder. So like, for instance, we've grown a lot in coronavirus time because we've got new services. We're developing new services all the time. And we've taken on board probably 50 new members of staff, some of those replacements, some of them new services. What does it mean to be a member of staff in an organization where you've never been in an office and you've never met another member of staff other than on, on a screen? You know, how do you pick that culture up? How do you, you know, interact with people? It's really, really tough. So we've spent a lot more time on, um, you know, I, I do a, a fortnightly and monthly um zoom calls like this where i speak to line managers and then all of our staff and i think that's that's gone down really well um you know uh, uh not because i'm brilliant or anything like that but just because you know hearing directly from the ceo about the organization and having 100 people on the call who can ask questions is is a great way of you know getting a common message across and i know lots of lots of other organizations have done exactly the same um and then we you know we've put in place more well-being afternoons where we do things like physical activity, mindfulness um, activities, get to know you sessions, quizzes, you know, fun stuff um, in the way that, you know, we've had lots of fun things before, but they've been physical, you know, physically located, summer barbecues or bake-off competitions or, you know, whatever it might be. And you have to be a bit more creative, I think, when it's when it's all online. Definitely. But uh, you know, going back to what, what you just said there over the last couple of minutes, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, we're, we're all human beings. And I think as human beings, we more often than not, we we get positivity through interaction. And it's really nice to hear, you know, from a management position 
you know, trying to create that culture where you, you, you honestly have that value in knowing and understanding who your staff are. Because I've been on the receiving end of kind of both types of management where, you know, you're there to do a job and that's pretty much it. Don't really care about anything else. Yeah. And you'll get the job done, but you don't necessarily really feel valued and part of that system. Yeah. Whereas if you have a manager who really actually does, you know, like you said, you're here to do a job and I'm going to facilitate you to do that. But also, you know, how are you? Who are you? What makes you tick? What doesn't? And I think when you have that relationship with a manager and also from manager down, it's a really positive environment and it creates that positive environment, which then creates that culture that you talk about there, which is yeah. really, really, really cool. Yeah. Yeah. So the I'd like to talk about the the, the money that, that we raise for the Snowden Six Ways, because yeah. many, many people listening to this podcast will have very, very kindly, generously um, donated their hard earned cash, particularly in a year like last year to support me in my challenge and also support you at Oxfordshire Mind in, in your challenges and yeah. in your direction and your kind of um you know to, to 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 keep helping people that really need it. So it'd be really good if you could just give a couple of examples of where you know where that that some of that money might be funneled towards and, and so you know let let the um let the listeners hear where their hard earned money's actually going. Yeah no really delighted to do that. So um I've mentioned the children, young people's area. So we're doing more and more in CYP work. Um, and I think that's incredibly valuable. One of the um, one of the areas we're investigating at the moment, we're thinking about is the well-being of teachers. Um, it's a really stressful job. There's a lot of focus on children, young people at the moment, um, but it's a tough job being a teacher. And we're we're sort of investigating that. And if we have a very successful fundraising year coming up, that might be a program that we would be able to develop and, and put in place. Um, one of the things that Oxfordshire Mind does is, is runs a conference called Youth in Mind each year. It's run in partnership with Oxfordshire Youth. Um, it is amazing to think back in February, we had 500 people in a room in, in Oxford in the King Centre Conference Centre. Um, it's crazy, and, isn't it? Uh, you know, <laughs> it's crazy to think that. Yeah, no, exactly. But, you know, teachers, school kids, um, charities, people from the education sector, uh, local authorities, all all coming together to, to to you know understand how we can all work for the betterment of of children, young people's mental health. And one of the presenters said, you know, if you help one teacher, you've helped thirty children, because if a teacher's stress hormones are raised at the beginning of a lesson the children's will be at the end. So, you know, they've researched this and they know that a stressed teacher leads to stressed um, children. Where, and, you know, whereas a calm, happy, productive teacher is, is able to do their job better and foster that environment with the children. So that's one of the things we're, we're thinking about trying to, to develop um, is, is to help teachers manage their own um, mental health and, and personal wellbeing better. So I'm excited about that. Um, because of the fundraising that we have been successful in, including yours, we've done more physical activity well-being programs with schools, uh, and the most effective of those is um, boxercise. So we we take um, secondary. We've done it with some primary school children as well, but it's particularly effective with teenagers, um, and they get to you know box and smack pads. They don't hit, they don't hit each other. They hit pads and you know do um, sort of shadow boxing. Um, and then have a, a session on well-being 
um, whatever that might be, whether it's um, sleep management or managing difficult emotions or, you know, the anxiety or stress levels or, um, uh, you know, whatever it might be. Um, and that's been really, really effective. And so we've been able to do more of those in more schools this year because of our successful fundraising. Um, the other area that we always struggle to get funded by statutory services is one of our services called Be uh, Benefits for Better Mental Health. And that is for brilliant, talented people who know the ins and outs of uh, personal independence payments and uh, you know all of the different universal credit things and they will help people with mental health issues get the benefits that they you know are, are, are owed by the system but they find very very hard to fill in those complex forms and indeed go to tribunals so we, we have a 95% track record in winning tribunals but of course if you've got a mental health issue going to a tribunal is a really hard thing to do. Filling in those forms, going along, sitting in the Crown Court, that's a hard thing to do. So some of our volunteers go along and, and accompany those people and just sit with them as, as to provide moral support. So it's an amazing group. So our fundraising um, enables that group to, to keep going. And then specifically with coronavirus, again, because our fundraising in the last 12 months has been really strong and has stood up well, um, we've actually increased by one person, one, one additional person on the information line. So I was talking about the, the rise in, in inquiries. So we're, we're able to put an extra person on that, which is great. And that means that we can answer more of those um, inquiries and market that, uh, that service more, um, more aggressively, which I'm really excited about. We're also going to be um, increasing our comms team that sounds very grandiose because our comms team at the moment is one person um, yeah, yeah. Sarah, who does an amazing job. Um, and she's going to have somebody coming in and working with her. And to give an example of that, in the second lockdown, Sarah pulled together a, uh, a reel on Instagram, a little, a little video about um, managing your well-being in the lockdown. And she put it up on Instagram and it was seen by a thousand people in the first hour. I mean, it's wow. an amazing way to reach people and spread, yeah. you know, really useful, positive, helpful messages about how to manage your mental health. So we'll be doing more of that kind of um, uh, activity. And, and again, we're, nobody pays us to do that. We don't get that through statutory funding. So um, that's where our, uh, our fundraising efforts give us that freedom to, um, to sort of be a little bit more creative and do things that, uh, that only the third sector can do. Amazing. It's such a wide um, sort of offering of services that you've got there. It's really encouraging. One thing that's come up that I've picked up on a few times now through the, the last sort of, I don't know, 40 minutes or so of conversation is, is the word volunteers. And these people, I don't personally know anybody that volunteers for Oxfordshire Mind, but they sound like absolute heroes, hmm. you know, giving up their time to help people who really need it, particularly given the current you know, scenario. Yeah. You know, there's some incredible people out there that that, yep. that just want to help and they're willing to do that, you know, because they want to. It's, it's amazing. Yeah, really, really uh, we're really lucky. We've got at the moment, we've got around about 70 active volunteers giving up their time and their expertise and their skills and their dedication. And, and I mean, I gave that example of the, you know, people accompanying people to, to course. I mean, you can't imagine, can you, how how important that would be? What a difference that would make to you. I'm here for you, you know. Let's just sit down together. I'll get you a cup of tea. Is everything's going to be fine? You know, I mean, what a calming, supportive experience that is. It's incredible, absolutely yeah. incredible.
So I'm going to start to wrap up now, Dan. You know, obviously, for those people listening, thank you to everybody that has donated um, to the Snow for Six Ways Challenge and equally to to Oxfordshire Minds. You know, your donations truly, you know, go such a long way and they mean a lot to myself and they mean a lot to Dan and everybody at Oxfordshire Mind. If anybody does still want to donate to the to the Snowden Six Ways Challenge, you can just visit www.snowdensixwayschallenge.com, which will take you through to the Just Giving link. Equally, I'm sure if you go on the Oxfordshire Mind website, there's various other fundraisers, there's ways to donate, there's ways you can help. If anybody's listening who who feels like they need some help with your well-being or your mental well-being, don't hesitate to reach out. You know, reaching out is the best step you, you can take to get the help that you might need. No matter how big or small or insignificant you may feel it is, it's worthwhile just getting that help if you need it. So, so don't hesitate to, to give give the, the team at Oxfordshire Mind a call or, or an email to get in touch. But Dan, thanks very much for your time. I really appreciate that. Um, I know you're a very busy guy and it's uh, it's great to hear what Oxfordshire Mind are up to. Just to, just to finish off, I'd just like to hear... You know, what does the future look like for Oxfordshire Mind? You know, it's um, it's growing. It seems like it's all moving in the right direction. Yeah, no, I mean, I think uh, what does our future look like? It looks busy. <laughs> <laughs> you know, we, I mean, it is funny. We were busy before, you know, and we had all sorts of uh, really important areas to work on. And, and, you know, this time last year, I was writing our annual operating plan for 2020-21. I mean, that just got thrown out the window, you know. Um, so... Yeah, I mean, coronavirus has put a huge shadow, hasn't it, over everything that anyone is doing. Um, as I say, I, I do think I'm excited about our ability to deliver digital services um, and and for the system to do that. And there are some people who really enjoy taking part, for instance, in our peer support groups mm-hmm. virtually. And there are some people who really enjoy taking part in those in person. And yeah. we're going to be able to do both of those in, in the future. And in the past, it was it was in person only. And, and the same thing, we've got a, a short course program for managing strong emotions, managing stress, self-esteem and, and, and others, the five ways to well-being. Um, you know, people can access that remotely. So I think that's that's going to be really, really good. I'm, I'm excited about that. That's an improvement to our service. I think there's no doubt when the economic damage that this pandemic has caused starts to you know really bite and we see unemployment levels rise and people losing their jobs it's going to be like you know really really tough um and it, it already is really really tough for many people out there which is why we're seeing this rise um and so we're going to be i think 2021 is going to be a really busy year <laughs> we're girding our loins for it but yeah you know, yeah I mean, I do think, you know, the support of people like you, Ali, I mean, the story, the video that you made of you running up the flipping hill in the middle of the night and just being, absolutely, I don't know how tired you must have been at the end. What did you eat at the end of your your thing? You must, you probably just fell asleep and then woke up and had 20 cooked breakfasts. I can't, I, I can't I imagine. Have- I had a, had a pizza that. in the evening. I had a few beers and a pizza. Had a good sleep on the way home. I think I had two McDonald's breakfasts. Yeah. Um, and then something else. Yeah, I was absolutely ravenous. But yeah. I can hand on heart, you know, I can say that I, I genuinely loved every single step of that the challenge. There was not one point where I thought, what am I doing? Or I hate this. Why am I doing this? Or come on, dig deep. I, I genuinely loved every single step. And it was because of the story behind, you know, Milo sadly took his own life last year. We're, you know, running in his memory. For me, it was 
a personal journey of going to do a challenge I've always wanted to do, getting a group together, many of which within the group, it was quite cathartic for them as well to come and support and play their own part in, in the challenge, the fundraising, you know, every single part of that challenge was was magic. It was unbelievable. And we're hoping to do it later this year, right? Eh? Yeah, so that was what I was going to finish on that. The Snowden Six Ways Challenge lives on. I mean, I'm, I personally, I'm going to do it again in June or July. Just personally, not fundraising this time. It's a bit of a different challenge for me. But the challenge itself, we're kind of working alongside you guys at Oxfordshire Minds to turn it into a fundraiser. So if anybody is listening that fancies the challenge, whether as a team or a relay or an individual, keep your eyes and ears peeled because there will be an opportunity for you to go on the same journey that me and my my crew went on. And it was one of the most rewarding journeys I've ever been on. So I can highly recommend it. And um, I, might, I might do one sixth of it. How's that? Do it. Yeah, you've said yeah. it now. It's recorded. It's, it's coming out to the world. It's a, beautiful, it's a beautiful mountain. I love snow. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Yeah. Well, Dan, look, thank you. Thank you so much. I really enjoyed that. And it's really interesting to hear more about Oxfordshire Mind because due to lockdown i didn't really get to participate in any of the things last year so really good to chat i'm sure our paths will cross again in the not too distant future Brilliant. good luck with everything thank you for your openness and um yeah stay safe thanks ali thanks for all your support much appreciated oh you're welcome anytime thank you sure.